Welcome everyone to JHE Ministries Bible Study, where we study God's Word. As always, I'm Jeffrey, ordained minister and chaplain of JHE Ministries, and I'm so glad you're listening today. In our study, we're unpacking the book of Mark. Last time we started chapter 4, and we're working our way through this chapter. So if you will, turn with me in your Bibles to chapter 4, verse 21, and let's get into it. Now we're going to be starting to talk about the responsibility of those who hear. And we're going to be talking about the parables of the lamp and the measure. So let's jump right into this with verse 21 as it says, Also he said to them, Is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret but that it should come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Then he said to them, Take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. For whoever has, to him more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Now, as we take a look at verses 21 through 23, if a lamp doesn't help people see, it is useless. A question you need to ask yourself is, does your life show other people how to find God and how to live for God? If not, ask, what baskets have extinguished your light? complacency, resentment, stubbornness of heart, or disobedience. These could keep God's light from shining through you to others. And we see here the lamp represents the truths which the Lord imparted to his disciples. These truths were not to be put under a basket, They weren't meant to be put under a bed, but they were meant to be out in the open for everyone to see. Now, the bushel basket may represent a business, which, if allowed, will still time that should be given to the things of the Lord. The bed may speak of comfort or laziness. Both of these are enemies of evangelism. Now, in the parable of the lamp, The lamp represents Jesus, who has come. As the purpose of the lamp is to be put on a lampstand and not under a bowl or under a bed, so the present hiddenness of Jesus will not always be. And God intends that one day Jesus will be manifested in all of his glory. This will be at the second coming. They call that the parousia. But now, Jesus is hidden. It is therefore of utmost importance for us to be careful hearers to have spiritual perception. Now, Jesus spoke to the multitudes in parables. The underlying truth was hidden, but the divine intention was that the disciples explain those hidden truths to willing hearts. 
Verse 22 might also mean, however, that the disciples should serve in constant remembrance of a coming day of manifestation when it will be seen if business or self-indulgence were allowed to take precedence over testimony for the Savior. The seriousness of these words is indicated by Jesus' admonition. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Then the Savior added another serious warning here as we move into verses 24 and 25. Take heed what you hear. If I hear some command from the word of God, but fail to obey it, I cannot pass it on to others. What gives power and scope to teaching is when people see the truth in the preacher's life. Now, whatever we measure out in sharing the truth with others comes back to us with a compound of interest. The teacher usually learns more in preparing a lesson than the pupils. I remember a time in my youth when I was teaching first and second grade Sunday school and I was just starting out and I was worried, oh man, what if these kids ask me some questions that I don't know about? And it caused me to truly study and prepare and take serious my study plan, my study lesson for that Sunday for the children. So you can learn a lot from your own preparation to teach others. And the future reward will be greater than our puny expenditure of time over it. Now the parable of the measure begins with an exhortation or an encouragement to spiritual perception. The more one listens to the word of Jesus with spiritual perception and appropriates it, the more the truth about Jesus will be revealed. And furthermore, the more one appropriates the truth now, the more one will receive in the future. On the other hand, whoever does not lay hold of the word now, even the little spiritual perception that person has, it will be taken away. Now, every time we acquire fresh truth and allow it to become real in our lives, we are sure to be given more truth. On the other hand, failure to respond to the truth results in a loss of what has been previously acquired. Now, the light of Jesus' truth is revealed to us. It's not hidden, but we may not be able to see or to use all of the truth right now. Only as we put God's teachings into practice will we understand and see more of the truth. The truth is clear, but our ability to understand is imperfect. As we obey, we will sharpen, put vision, and increase our understanding, and we can refer to James chapter 1, verses 22 to 25. So verse 25 simply means that we are responsible to use well what we have. How much we have is not nearly as important with what we do with it. So let's move back on here to the parable of the secretly growing seed with verses 26 to 29. So let's take a look here in our scripture 
As 26 begins, And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground, and should sleep by night, and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. Now this parable is found only in the book of Mark. And it can be interpreted in at least two ways. The man may picture the Lord Jesus casting seed on the earth during his public ministry and then returning to heaven. The seed begins to grow mysteriously. It's imperceivable but invincible. From a small beginning, a harvest of true believers develops. When the grain ripens, the harvest will be taken to the heavenly gardener. Or the parable may be intended to encourage the disciples. Their responsibility is to sow the seed. They may sleep by night and rise by day, knowing that God's word will not return to him void, but will accomplish what Jesus has intended it to do. By a mysterious and miraculous process, which is quite apart from man's strength and skill, the word works in human hearts that produces fruit for God. Man plants and waters, but God gives the increase. The difficulty with this interpretation lies in verse 29. Only God can put forth the sickle at harvest time. But in the parable, the same man who sows the seed puts in the sickle when the grain is ripe. This parable emphasizes the mysterious power of the seed to produce a crop. All the farmer can do is plant the seed on suitable ground. He, he cannot make that seed grow, nor does he understand how it grows. But it does grow and it does produce grain. And in the same way, the hidden and somewhat ambiguous kingdom of God will someday burst out in its full glory. The harvest spoken of is, of course, the astrological judgment. And this parable is about the kingdom of God. Like I said, that it's only recorded only by Mark. But it reveals that spiritual growth is a continual, gradual process that is finally consummated in a harvest of spiritual maturity. We can understand this process of spiritual growth by comparing it to the slow but certain growth of a plant. And it was generally expected that the messianic kingdom would be inaugurated in a display of glory and power that would shake the world. This parable means that it would instead be unspectacular, a very small beginning, and it's slow, it has a long growth, it moves quietly, but it moves irresistibly on to the day of harvest. It also signifies that the gospel has a power of its own. So let's take a look at the parable of the mustard seed here as we enter into our scriptures, begin with verse 30. And I want to take a look at just the verses of 30 to 32. And verse 30 says, 
Then he said, and we're talking about Jesus, to what shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what parable shall we picture it? It is like a mustard seed, which when it is sown on the ground is smaller than all the seeds on the earth. But when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all herbs and shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. So we see that this parable pictures the growth of the kingdom from a beginning as small as a mustard seed to a tree or a big bush that's big enough for the birds to roost in. The kingdom began with a small persecuted minority and then it became more popular and was embraced by governments as a state religion. But this growth was spectacular but unhealthy. Much of it representing people who paid lip service, if you will, to the king, but they were not truly converted. As long as the church wore scars, they made headway. When they began to wear medals, the cause languished. It was a greater day for the church when Christians were fed to the lions and when they sought season tickets and sat in the grandstand. A little food for thought there. But the mustard bush, therefore, pictures a professed Christendom, which has become a roosting place for all kinds of false teachers. It is the outward form of the kingdom as it exists today. This is the third and last of the parable about the seed sown. The mustard seed was proverbial for its smallness, but when grown, it became a huge tree-like shrub. And the main point of the parable is that the kingdom of God has insignificant and weak beginnings, but a day will come when it will be great and powerful. We should never judge about the, and, and never, uh, we should not judge in the significance of the kingdom by the size of its beginnings. And Jesus used this parable to explain that although Christianity had very small beginnings, it would grow into a worldwide community of believers. When you feel a tone in your stand for Christ, realize that God is building a worldwide kingdom. He has faithful followers in every part of the world. And your faith, no matter how small, can join with that of others to accomplish great things. Now let's move on real quickly here. I got a couple verses I want to look at. Verse 33 and verse 34. We have the summary statement on the parable. And if we look to our scriptures here, verse 33 begins, and with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it, but without a parable, he did not speak to them. And when they were alone, he explained all things to his disciples. So verses 33 and 34 introduce us to an important principle in teaching. Jesus taught the people as they were able to hear it. He built upon their previous knowledge, permitting time for them to assimilate one lesson before going on and giving him the next. Conscious of his hearer's capacity, he did not 
give them with more instruction than they could absorb. The method of some preachers might make us think Christ had said, feed my giraffes instead of feed my sheep. Now, although his general teaching was in parables, he explained them to his disciples in private. He gives light to those who sincerely desire it. So Mark ends this section with a statement about Jesus' use of parables. He wanted to help the crowd understand by means of a veiled confrontation with the truth, which stimulated their thinking and gave them an awakening of their spiritual perception. The crowd was not ready for a direct revelation of the truth. And in contrast, when Jesus was alone with his disciples, Jesus would speak more directly to them, and even they needed his explanation to fully understand. So Jesus adapted his methods to his audience's ability and to their desire to understand. He didn't speak in parables to confuse people, but to challenge the sincere seekers to discover the meaning of his words. Much of Jesus' teaching was against hypocrisy and impure motives, which were characteristics of the religious leaders. Now, had Jesus spoken against the leaders directly, his public ministry would have been hampered. Those who listened carefully to Jesus knew what he was talking about. And with that, we will stop there for today. Next time, we'll take a look at the triumph over hostile powers, calming the storm, the winds, and the waves, and how they all serve the servant. So until next time, God bless you, and keep living Christian strong.